Tonight, we will be in Genesis chapter 13. We're gonna look at the next stage in Abraham's walk. We're gonna look at the next part of how Abraham got closer and closer to becoming a friend of God. It, it, it talks about that, that's who he was. That's the kind of faith that he had, this kind of relationship that he had with God, that he was called a, a friend of God. And my hope for this series is that we can look at Abraham's life. We can look at the things that he did. We can look at the, the pitfalls and the struggles that he had. And we can, we can learn from those examples so that we too can be called friends of God. Because I believe that when God's people get to that place where they're sold out for him and when they get to that place where they are dedicated to him and, and they're to that place where they can be called a friend of God, that real life change happens not just in ourselves but in the people around us. I kind of want to recap for just a second. So the first week we looked at Abraham's call back in um, chapter 12. We looked at God took this person, this, this man who was of, of no great reputation. He didn't have anything awesome going for him. He didn't, you know, he wasn't this wonderfully righteous man. He was a person who was a part of a family that worshiped moon gods. And he says, you know, this is the guy that I want to do great things with. But Abraham had to have the faith to, to move and to, to walk and, and to go away from his family and go away from what he knew. And so the, the big point that, that we kind of hit that night was, do you have the faith to move? What's holding you back? What scares you? Because we saw that Abraham had this great potential if only he would move and follow after what God would tell him to do. And so the, the push that night was, do you have the faith to just move and follow after what God would have you to do? And then last week we looked at how Abraham was faithful. He moved into the promised land, but then a famine happened, which was common in that area. And Abraham went down into Egypt to survive the famine. And things went downhill from there. He got wrapped up in some lies. He, he, he ends up selling his wife, who is the root of the promise. You know, they, Abraham was promised he would be this great nation. He needed Sarah, his wife, to do that because you gotta have kids and children and grandchildren and all that to, to make a great nation from one man. And so what he does is he sells Sarah to Pharaoh pretty much because he's scared for his own life. And so we saw how sin issues in our life and, and how things, and we, we start to run from God and we start to try to do things on our own accord, that, that God's will kind of gets lost in translation and we start to focus more on us and temporary satisfaction and temporary safety. And we forget that there's eternal promises that we can land on and we can, we can be secure on. And so the push last week was what sin in your life or what circumstance or situation in your life has caused you to trade your eternal promises, the things that God has called you to do, for temporary safety and temporary comfort? What, what's stopping you from furthering your, your mission um, that God's given you? And so this week we'll pick up in uh, chapter 13, but I'm gonna pray real quick and we'll, we'll launch into the scriptures. Father, I... I pray that this message goes a lot better than my math. Um, God, that, that for this next you know, 30, 40 minutes, however long, God, that you would bring a seriousness to this place um, because coming here is an amazing, worshipful experience. God, it's fun to be with people that we love. It's fun to goof off and to ride skateboards and, and, and just, just have fun. But for these next few moments, for this next um, hour or so, God, I pray that we could be serious, we could be focused, and we could 
truly try to experience what you'd have to tell us. God, I pray that you would move in the hearts of these students and these adults and me. God, that you would help us realize that sometimes what you want for us does not always make the most logical sense. And sometimes it doesn't always seem easy and sometimes it's hard and, and sometimes we have to sacrifice God, but the true faith comes from trusting 100% in you and trusting that you've got it and you're in control and that no matter what man wants to do to us, that you have control of all things and that all things will work together for those who love you. God, and that doesn't mean that we'll have awesome, crazy, happy, wealthy lives, but it will mean that we're rooted, centered in who you are and what you'd have for us to do in our lives, that, that we can continue on no matter what the world pushes against us. So I pray tonight as we look at Abraham and Lot and we we look at the third part of this series, God, that you would truly speak and that your Holy Spirit would move. God, and that you would do great things. God, and that you would move things out of people's lives in this room that have been there for too long. God, that you would cause conflict in their life to make them realize it. God, and that true faith would start to to grow. God, we love you. And I pray that that you would change people in this room. I should never pray. Amen. Awesome. So we're going to look at the whole chapter 13. So if you've got your Bible, grab it. If you've got your phone, it's fine too. Um, But just follow along. We'll start in verse 1. We're going to go all the way through. Um, So right before this, that Pharaoh's kind of kick them out of Egypt, says, you know, go away, because because Abraham and Sarah were in Egypt, all these plagues and stuff happened to Pharaoh, everybody's getting sick, it was awful, and so Pharaoh freaks out and kicks them out, and says, just, just go, just be gone, I, I, don't, I don't want you here anymore, and so it says in verse one, so Abraham went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that they had, and lot with him into the Negeb. Now Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. And he journeyed on from the Negeb as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abraham called upon the name of the Lord. And Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them for dwelling together. For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. And at that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites, that's probably wrong, but it's my best shot, were dwelling in the land. Then Abraham said to Lot, let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you. Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, in the direction of Zor. This was before the Lord had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from one another. Abraham settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the middom Sodom were wicked. They were great sinners against the Lord. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. 
For all the land that you see, I will give you into your offspring forever. I'll make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of, the, breadth of this land, for I will give it to you. So Abraham moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. And so I just want to pull out just a few things in this scripture um, that I think are insanely important. Um, because Abraham, the last time we saw him, he's, he's, he's wrapped in sin. He's, he's in a position where he, he's not in God's will. He's not where he's supposed to be. He's not where God wants him to be. And so Abraham has a choice. He's got to do something about it. And yes, Pharaoh kicked him out, and so he kind of had to leave a little bit. But Abraham knew that if he, had to get back to, if he wanted to get back to God, well, then he had to journey back to God. He had to start from where everything began. He had to get back to his roots. And so you look at, at verse three in chapter 13. It says, he, and he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning. And so Abraham knew that, that he'd messed up. He knew that he wasn't where God had him. He knew that he wasn't where God wanted him to be because he saw the outcomes. He saw the sin. He saw that he almost lost everything that God had promised him. He said, you know what? I need to get back to my roots. I need to get back to the, the beginning of where this all started. I need to journey back to where God met me the first time. And so he picks up and he travels and he, he goes all the way back to where he was originally, to where his first tent was. And it says a little bit later on, it says, and, and there he worshiped God. He sought after God. He spoke to God. And so Abraham kind of does a restart. Abraham kind of sits back and says, okay, I've messed up. I'm not where I need to be. I'm not where I want to be. I've let all this situational stuff happen to me. So I, I need to get back to my roots. And so he does. And so he travels back and he, he goes back to where he was at the beginning and then he falls down and he worships God and he spends some time there. You see, Abraham knew that he wasn't, he couldn't just pick back up and say, all right, God, well, where are we traveling to now? I'm good to go. I, I can, I can I'm, I've got this thing that happened in my life. I had this, this sin situation, this struggle that happened in my life. Uh, but, but, but now that I'm out of it, I'm just good. No, he knew that he needed to recharge. He knew that he needed to step back and, and go to the place where he was at the beginning because he, he knew he wasn't prepared to continue to travel on without going back and seeking from God. He realized that he may have gotten a little bit ahead of himself. He realized that <clears throat> to continue to do what God had called him to do, that he needed to go back and seek after God for a while. And I love it that it says that <clears throat> and he went back to where it was in the beginning, to the place where he had made the altar at the first. And so it pulls back. It's all this verbiage that he, he went back to where it all started and, and, and God worked on him there and healed some of that sin issue and some of the pride issues and maybe some of the arrogance that had Abraham or that was going on in Abraham's heart. He, he had to spend that time with God because he wasn't ready. You know, he'd just come out of all the sin and just come out of all these situations that had pulled him away from God. And so he said, you know what, before I go any further in this, I need to slow down and I need to make time for God. And so it says that he goes back to the first and Abraham called upon the name of the Lord there and he spent good time with him. And so for Abraham to continue in this journey of faith, he had to slow down and go back to where he started. 
revisit where he started from and remember all that God had done for him and remember all that God had pulled him away from and remember his purpose and remember where it was. And God had to spend some time talking to him. He called on the name of of the Lord and and I I know that God spoke back to him and they had dialogue and it worked a little bit different then than it works, you know, on average now. I'm not saying that God doesn't verbally and audibly speak to people now, but it just doesn't happen like it was with Abraham because like God physically shows up to Abraham later on in the story. It's a really awesome, we'll get there. Um, kind of has some food with him and then walks on. Um, but that's the first thing Abraham had to do. And so God began to work on Abraham's heart. And as God began to work on Abraham's heart, a new conflict arose. It says that, you know, as he's, he's gone back to the beginning, but it kind of begins to be a little bit of conflict because there's not enough room. So there's the Canaanites and the Perizzites, which once again is, pro- I'm missing a letter somewhere. Um, but that they're in the land and then, you know, Abraham's acquired all this livestock and all this money and all these, you know, sheep and goats and probably some camel and, and all kind of stuff. They needed, um, you know, grass to eat and they needed fresh water. And so they, they needed all these resources, but as Abraham's wealth grew and, and Lot's wealth grew and these two different other groups of people that were, you know, enemies of, of them, they, they didn't like go to war quite yet, but there's just not enough room in the land where they were sitting. And so Abraham had another decision to make. And so he spent time with God. He's kind of got his attitude right. And we're going to see Abraham make the right decision this time instead of the wrong decision. So he, he, he sees this conflict and he, he could have done a lot of different things. He could have responded in a lot of different ways. As the older, as the patriarch of this whole thing, he could have looked at Lot and says, all right, going somewhere. I'm taking the best land. I'm, too, I'm doing what I need to do. I'm, I'm taking the, the choice land for me. Um, he could have done whatever. He could have had you know, the herdsman killed. He could, he could have done whatever he wanted to do. But that's not what Abraham did. He didn't take those rights for himself. He, he saw this conflict and said, you know what? Instead of like being this authoritative person, instead of really going after Lot and, and, and you know, choosing to use my, my seniority here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a heart for this conflict. I'm going to have a heart for fixing this. You, you see that heart show up in, in verse 8, and he said, then Abraham said to Lot, I said, let there be no strife between you and me, and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. It says, Abraham realized that there was something more important here. Look, man, you're family. There doesn't need to be this conflict. There doesn't need to be this going on because we're family. I, I'm going to be patient with this. I'm going to look at how God would have me to handle this. And he had concern for a lot, and he had concern for the herdsmen. He, he wanted the best for everybody. And so there you start to see a, an attitude shift for where when he went to Egypt, he was selfish. He was worried about himself. But now he's shifted. After he spent all this time with God, he shifted his attitude, and he started to be more concerned for other people. He's concerned for Lot. He's concerned for Lot's herdsmen. He's concerned for his own herdsmen. And he says, you know what? This is going to be the way that I handled this. This is going to be the way that I, I go about fixing this situation. And this was wild because, like I said, he could have taken whatever he wanted. He had the rights to do whatever he wanted to do. And, but then he looked at somebody that was, that was not anywhere near on his level of authority. He said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to let you make the choice. I'm going to let you decide where you want. And so it, it gives on to this picture that they're sitting up on this tall mountain or this hill that allows them to see out over a great distance. And so he says, Lot, 
I want you to choose where you're going to go. I want you to choose the land that you want to dwell in because we can't stay here because obviously there's too much strife and, and I don't want there to be this, this break in our relationship because if we stay here, all we're gonna do is fight and argue and it's gonna get ugly. So before there's conflict arise, we need to, we need to separate. We need to get away from each other. He says, Lot, I, I want you to choose. I'm gonna give you first choice of, of everything that, that's out here. I'm gonna let you choose first. And so Lot, being up on this great hill, he kind of looks out over the land and to the right, kind of in front of him and to the right is this, it's very hilly. And in between the hills, there's, there's good land that's, that's fertile, that's in the valleys, it's, got, it's well watered, it's got some um, grass there for the herds. But you couldn't see it from where they were. It kind of gives this picture that it's like in the valley is really nice, but all they could see were the tops of the hills if you look to the right. But when you look to the left, you can see the Jordan River. And the Jordan River was this, is a big river. It supplied all this water to this arid place and it reminded Lot of the Nile that they had just been in. So he's thinking Egypt, he's thinking all that wealth and all the, the resources that he had access to. And he says, you know what, man, that looks like Egypt. That looks like where we just came from. And I know that where we came from, everything was taken care of. And I, I look over here to the right and I just don't, I don't know about this section. So I'm gonna take the good land for myself. And so he looks over to the, to the left and he kind of sees the Jordan as well watered. It's, it says that he, it reminded him of what the Garden of Eden would have been like and what the, the Nile was like in Egypt. He says, you know what, that's where I'm gonna go. I'm gonna take the choice land for myself. And Abraham could have fought. He could have said, look, I gave you. It's that thing where like, so I'm gonna buy your dinner. And they're like, no, no, I insist. And you're like, no, okay. And then somebody accepts it like that whole pleasantry that goes back and forth. He could have been doing all that and then actually got mad when Abraham took the, or when Lot took the good land, but he didn't. He, he let it go. He said, okay, we'll go and go your own way. And what I, I, I want you guys to see here, there, there's something big in this. See, Abraham before this was, was scared of the famine. That's what drove him into Egypt. He was scared that God couldn't provide for him. He was scared that, that God wouldn't take care of him where he was. And so his choice was to take matters into his own hands and go to a place in Egypt where everything had resources, where he could survive. He could do what he needed to do. And so in this moment, he's looking at this land. There's good land over here that makes sense for him to go to. And there's, there's not so good land that he can see over here. And in this moment, Abraham chooses to trust God over his own logic. You know, Abraham, didn't, he'd, he'd already been through this one time and it was a very similar situation. Go to where it doesn't seem like you can sustain yourself or go to where you can. He had that same choice, but this time instead, because he had spent time with God, he'd, he'd learned from his mistakes. He said, you know what? No matter what Lot chooses, no matter what my nephew chooses, I trust that wherever God would have me to go is where I need to be. So instead of focusing on what was in front of him, what his eyes could see, what, his, what his, his logic could help him understand, he decided that his view of things and the way he sees things is not as important as how God sees things. He had to trust what God would do. And so in that moment, you see, you see Abraham's growth here. You see him, instead of focusing on himself, he focuses on God and he trusts God's direction. And so... He was okay with whatever the outcome was because he knew that God was ultimately in control. He was okay with maybe not getting what looked like the best at the time. And it's so funny, God almost immediately rewards him. So Lot goes and he goes off to the left and 
he goes to um, the valley that's well watered and he breaks away. It says in verse 14, it says, and the Lord said to Abram after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look. So they're in the same place. They're sitting on the same hill. He says, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and make for your offspring forever. Okay, for you people that have done geography, are there any other directions that he didn't name? You get north, south, east, and west, right? Are there any other directions? Could Lot see the Jordan Valley? Yes, not hard questions. Did Lot, could Lot see the Jordan Valley from where he was standing? Obviously because he chose it, right? Track with me a little bit. So, what God's saying after Lot had broke away to the best land, God says to him, don't worry about it. All of it's gonna be yours anyways. So let Lot go. Let God, Lot did the same thing. He went after it, he, he went through it because it was his own personal th- thoughts, his own personal decision. It was after selfish desires that Lot went, but because Abraham stepped back and said, you know what, I'm gonna trust God. God then goes, you made the right choice, and because you made the right choice, I'm not just gonna give you the land that you decided to follow after me and trust me in, but I'm gonna give you all the land. And you see later on that, that if you look through the, the, the history of Israel, they do end up taking the land where the Jordan is, and on both sides there's a piece of them that remain on one side and the other piece of them that live on the other side, and they do have that part of land. And so God was true in his word, but it's so funny that when we do the right thing and, and when Abraham did the right thing, that God rewarded him double. And so we see that, uh, that heart change in, in Abraham and, and God rewards it. But the last thing I, I want us to kind of hit on and, and to look at that, that Abraham had to do was the fact that he had to separate from Lot. You know, I think in, in a lot of ways we, we can read this passage and we can see it as, well, they were just fixing a conflict. They had to do something. It was, it was too much fighting, it was too much trouble but we forget that Abraham and Lot had been through everything together. They had left their, their father's place, their, their, his grandpa, uncle, that whole family realm thing, um, had left that comfort zone together. And so they had journeyed together into this foreign land. They had journeyed together in, into Egypt. Lot had watched him worship, Abraham worship. He had seen all these amazing things. And so, like we know, from, who went on the mission trip? Did y'all not get closer when y'all went and y'all did things together? Were those relationships not better? Were they not more close, more intimate? Yes? Yeah. So that was, that's what happens when you go on road trips with people. That's what happens when you spend all that time together. And they spent day after day and week after week. This was not a short journey. This was a long journey. They would have been very, very close. I mean, they were already, they were already nephew and uncle. So, I mean, there's that family tie. And, and Abraham obviously had these great feelings for him. He said, let's not fight. I mean, we're family. So there's that term of endearment there. And they would have been close. So don't get, don't get lost in the fact that there was conflict and they just kind of separated. This would not have been an easy thing for them to do. This would not have been uh, just a walk in the park. All right, I'll, I'll see you. Lot was leaving to go pretty far. And uh, they didn't really travel all that much because everything was by foot and they had to take everything they owned with them. You know, I don't know about you, but it just seems like it would be difficult to travel with like a thousand donkeys and a thousand goats and try to herd all that up. That just seems like it would take forever. And so this very well could have been at that point one of the last few times they could have seen each other. So this was a hard 
goodbye. But for God to continue to have the purpose that he had in Abraham's life, Abraham had to break that relationship off. And he had to trust that God knew what he was doing. He had to trust that God had it for his best interest. He had to break away from Lot for all the things that were supposed to happen to happen. And now Lot kind of shows back up in in the next chapters. Um, But at this point, Abraham had to spend some time alone. Just him, just him and God working out what God had for him. And you kind of see that through Lot's attitude by looking at the land and remembering that it was like Egypt and going and settling with these awful sinful people that there's probably some issues within Lot's own heart. You know, he, he may not have been as excited for God as Abraham was. You, you kind of see that in his attitude that he's not quite as far along with, as Abraham. He's looking at this place and man, man, that reminds me of Egypt. Well, when Abraham was reminded of Egypt, there would have been a pit in his stomach because that's where he lost his faith. That's where he went somewhere that he shouldn't have gone. That was somewhere that was a bad memory for him. But for Lot to look out and say, man, that's like Egypt and long for it and want it to, to be what he was, where, where he lived, that shows something about himself. And then when he would go as far to settle with the people of Sodom and Gomorrah that had a reputation for being awful, that he was willing to live in that close proximity to that sinful nature and that sinful group of people, that says something about Lot. And so there may have been this turmoil between them spiritually as well. And it may not have been, but that's kind of the way you read. You can kind of see some of his personality traits in Lot. And so God knew that for Abraham to continue to be where he needed to be, Lot had to go. And so in this short little section, Abraham has to change a lot. Abraham has to do a lot of hard decision-making. He has to trust in God to, to make the right choice and to be okay with whatever outcome happens because God is completely in control. And he had to know that just because what he looked like, what he looked at and, and saw and, and thought he maybe could have thought he deserved because it was his right to choose the best. It was his right to, to pick the choice land. It was the, the logical good explanation. And, and Abraham could have got mad that, that he didn't get the best. But he didn't. He, he trusted in God that even though it didn't look like the best land, even though it didn't look like the best situation, even though God was giving him this promised land and then he had the bad part of it, he still trusted in God and he even trusted in God to get rid of his own family for the sake of what God would have him to do. And so Abraham does all that and in verse 16 it says, you've done all this, or verse 15, you've done all this and I'm gonna bless you, I'm gonna give you all this land that you see, including where Lot went, and I'm gonna give it to your offspring forever, and I'll make your offspring as the dust of the earth. And so this is a man who still is childless, who doesn't have a child, who, who has no heir, and he says, I'm gonna make your offspring as, as the dust of the earth so that if anyone can count the dust of the earth, your offspring can be counted also. And then he says, go and arise and walk all throughout the land that I'll give you. So not only does God say, I'm gonna give it to you, he said, but walk freely, walk safely in everything that I've given you. Trust in what I've given you. Trust in all the things that I'm doing. Trust, continue to trust. And so we see this big attitude change in Abraham and because of it, God is pleased with him and God pushes him to his next step. God pushes him to where he needs to be. And so for us tonight, I wanted us to kind of apply this story back to who we are. And so in my personal life, I'm, I'm, this is how I'm gonna kind of draw this connection back. For me, 
a lot of times after I sin, which is where Abraham was in Egypt, a lot of times after I sin, I don't do that due diligence to get back with God and take some time and be patient. I'm just like, all right, back up on the horse. Let's go, let's get after this. But God is telling me, and God wants to show me that I may have put a Band-Aid over the wound, but the wound is not healed. That situation in my life, that sin issue in my life is not over, it's not complete. You know, I'll get angry at somebody and I'll be so frustrated and as soon as I'm not angry at that person anymore, I'm like, all right, sweet God, let's continue on my life and God's like, but you have a deep-seated anger issue that you're not dealing with. And so that sin happens continuously over and over and over again because I refuse to be patient and let God deal with me. I refuse to go back to where I was originally where God called me out from, from my sinful life and saved me. I refuse to go back and and let him work me over. I refuse to go reach back and, and pray to God and worship God and, and spend time with God to go, okay, there's obviously a cancer in my life that I need to get out. God, and you're the only one that can do that. I don't do those things. I don't do that oftentimes because it's just easier for me to just get back up on the horse and just keep on going and be like, all right, well, screwed up that time. Let me wipe my hands of it and keep on trucking. And not that God wants us to feel overly just remorseful constantly and carry that weight with us and carry that burden with us forever that we messed up one time and we're never going to be good again but God wants us to understand that when we sin when that outward sin happens it's because of a deep inward sin within us that needs help that needs to be fixed that needs to be healed Abraham did the right thing by going and spending time with God and that's that's what I need to do as well and then he throws a conflict to Abraham and Abraham handles it well and, and, and allows God to handle that situation for him. And guys, I, in the same breath, you know, I, I go and there's a lot of times that I don't let God handle the situation for me. You know, I want to choose my logic. I want to choose what's best for my life. I'm going to, to look at God and go, God, this is the way it's supposed to be. Don't you know? Aren't you seeing this? Aren't you seeing this is how it's supposed to be? I choose my own logic over and over again. And it's like if I'm Abraham, I just continuously keep going back to Egypt. Because that's what makes the most sense. And I never go, okay, God, no matter what happens, no matter what the outcome is, I'm just gonna allow you to work. And I'm gonna be faithful in it. And, and if you send me over here, awesome. If you send me over here, awesome. But whatever it is, I don't care what man does. I don't care what the world does, whatever it comes at me. I'm just gonna trust you to do what you gotta do. And I'm gonna follow after you. And then even still, there's times that where two options are there in front of me and I, I think that this option is just the best option in the world. It's, it's got all the stuff that I want. It looks the best. It, it looks the sweetest and, and everything's gonna work out perfectly. And God says, no, I'm gonna give that to somebody else. I want you to go over here. Sometimes God is gonna do that. He does that to me all the time where I've got something that I'm, I'm just dead set on. I'm looking this way, I'm looking this way. And God says, but your promise is over here. I don't want you to go this way because over here is destruction. Over here is death. Over here is, is just is, is lies and deceit and it's gonna cause you to, to not be okay. Like, for example, there's times that I want to go spend time with, with these old friends that are fun that, that I, I, and I even go, oh, I'm gonna share the gospel with them. I'm gonna go hang out with them. I'm gonna do these things. I'm gonna spend time in that arena. I'm not gonna get too, too close. I'm gonna be fine. But, but, I, but that's where everything is. That's where I need to be. That's where the fun part is. That's, everybody else is doing it. I kind of get drawn that way. And God goes, you can love them from a distance, but right now I need you to be over here because this is where I've got you called to. And so the, the, 
the part that's fancy and the part that's got all the bells and whistles is not always where God wants me to be. And so I have a hard time not going to the Jordan Valley in my life and staying out where it's harder, where I have to be more desperate on God's will. And then there's a lot of times in my life too that I have a hard time cutting people out that don't need to be there anymore. And I think that's one of the hardest things. And these are people that are super, super close. But sometimes you need to put distance between yourself and another person because that relationship is causing conflict that is causing you to not go where God would have you to go. And so for you guys tonight, I want you to ask yourself a couple different questions. In your sin, because we all sin, we've all got these issues in our life that we're not perfect at. In your sin, when you finally come to your senses and realize that you need to God, need God, do you go back and rest in him for a period of time so that you can make sure that doesn't happen? When's the last time you even went back and, and looked at the fact that you're saved and, and remembered your salvation story and spent time dwelling in it and, and spent time remembering how awesome God is? and sitting there and letting him teach you and speak to you. And, and, and before you do anything else, before you try to jump back up on the horse, just spend time letting him heal you from something in your life. Or maybe is there something in your life that's caused you to be a little bit bitter because you thought that your way was better? That maybe things didn't work out the way that you wanted them to work out. You know, I wanted to be a singer, but then God took my voice away. And for a whole year and a half, I couldn't sing. But you know what, it brought me here. And this is where I feel like I'm supposed to be. But I was mad and I was bitter at God for a long time and it caused me to do a lot of things that I, I'm not proud of. So is there something in your life that you're bitter at God about because it didn't go the way that you wanted it to go? Or is there something that you feel entitled that God should have done for you and he didn't? He should have given you this because this would have worked out so much more perfect in your life. This would have looked so much better in your life. Is there something in your life like that that you need to let go of and remember that God's got everything in control and he's got the best thing for you? But I think the biggest one for you guys tonight, most likely, this is God told you to cut somebody out of your life. And I'm not saying you don't pray for that person, you don't hope to share the gospel, but right now, if that person is causing so much conflict in your life that you don't have any room to share the gospel, then it's time for you to break away from it for a little bit. Because there are some people that have such a negative hold on your life that you're not going to be effective for the gospel until you can figure yourself out and get right with God. Lot and Abraham have to spend some time apart. Now Abraham goes in there and rescues him later. But they had to spend some time apart because of the conflict that was between them so that the Abraham could get where he wanted to go. So there are, are there people in your life that you need to temporarily cut out until you can get yourself right again. So you can get back on the path that God would have you to be on. I know that was hard for me growing up because I had kids in my life and friends in my life and, and adults in my life and people that were just all over the age spectrum that were not necessarily good influences but because they were cool and because I was close to them and because we'd done so much stuff together, they were very, very hard to put distance between. And because of that, I spent a lot of years wasting the potential that God had given me and wasting opportunity after opportunity because when I was with them, I was not sharing the gospel I mean, and Franklin can attest to that. Some of the people in my life were horrible influences. And while they desperately needed the gospel, I was not giving it to them. And I was only pulling them farther and farther away from the gospel because I was not acting like a Christian when I was with them. I just wasn't. So not only was I not furthering the kingdom, I was actually causing it more harm by being in that relationship. 
And so I ask you, and I'm gonna ask you these questions every night of this series. I'm gonna push hard every night of these series because I pray every day that you guys would realize that your faith is not where it needs to be and that you would push hard. I realize that same thing about myself, that we would all push hard to get to a place where we're friends of God, that we can be called that, that our lifestyle can, other people can look at us and say, no, I mean, that's a person that looks like Jesus. That's a person that loves Jesus. That's a person who is in tune with Jesus and the things that he wants for them in their lives. And to do that, we've got to follow the same path Abraham did. When we screw up, we've got to go spend time with God and not just put a band-aid on it. We have to be willing to understand that God's choice and God's will for our life is far better than anything we can choose. We have to be willing to realize that even if it's shiny and got all the bells and whistles, sometimes it's just not where God wants us to go. And we've got to be willing to temporarily and sometimes, you know, for as long as it needs to go, cut some people out of our lives for just a little while so that we can get strong enough and we can deal with the sin in our life and we can do what God wants us to do for enough time that when we come back, our testimonies about who we were then and who we are now is so strong that they can't argue with it. I've got a best friend that's like that. I shared gospel, the gospel with him a few times when we were t- together, but he, it never clicked. But now when I talk to him, he realizes there's enough of a change that there must be a little bit something to it. Those are things we have to do in our life. And all these adults behind you can attest to those things. So tonight, we're, gonna, we're not gonna do any crazy altar call that we've done for the past two weeks. I'm just gonna put it on you guys. While I pray, I want you to be praying as well. That God would reveal whatever it is that's hindering your faith from growing. Whether it be a situation whether it be your own pride and your own arrogance, or whether it be a relationship that just needs to go. I pray that you guys would pray honestly that God would show you anything that's standing in your way from being who, who God wants you to be. Because I know, and like I said, my math was off earlier. I don't remember what I did, but trust me, and y'all can attest to it too, there are many, many, many lost people in schools with you, right? Is everybody that y'all go to school with saved? Well, it's not my job, it's not Blake's job, it's not Jane or Day's job or, or Franklin's job or Gino's job to reach all those people. Our job is to equip you to reach those people. And their souls are dependent upon somebody sharing the gospel with them. And so we need to do the hard work and the, the not-so-fun work to get ourselves in a place where God can use us. And that's my prayer for you guys tonight. And I pray that sticks as we go throughout these next few weeks of of not having service, that God would constantly be beating you up and trying to show you the areas in your life that you need to let go of something. And, And I'll add this too. Maybe it's not a person, but maybe it's a situation or something that you love that's holding you back. I'm gonna say this is a blanket statement. There's nothing in this world that is more important than your relationship with God. And so maybe it's not a person, but maybe it's a something an activity, a, a video game, a, what, whatever, I don't know, um, a car, whatever it is, if it is above your relationship with Christ, I don't care how much you love it, I don't care how dear it is to you, I don't care how many scholarship offers it'll give you, it's not worth it. Because you'll find yourself at a college far away from God doing things that you never thought you'd do if your relationship with God is not first. And I don't say that to scare you. It's just personal application for me. That's what happened to me. I put other stuff in front of it and bad things happened. And I pray that some of y'all are better than I am, but the statistics would say that you're not. God's gotta be first in everything. So I'm gonna pray. 
close this thing out, but I pray as, as I pray that you guys will be praying for yourselves as well. That God would reveal anything that would, would slow you down or get in your way to being the man or the woman of God that he intends for you to be. Father, I pray that tonight, God, even though the message was, it felt rushed and there were things that, you know, I, me physically may have been able to explain better. God, I, I pray that the point was clear. God, that your Holy Spirit would reveal not my words, but your words from the scriptures and, and your words and your points. God, that each person in this room would, would self-assess. God, that they would go back to the beginning. You know, for those of them that have a beginning, you know, if there is no beginning, I pray that you convict them of that, God, but they would go back to the place where you first spoke and called them. I think one of the biggest detriments to our, our faith is to never remember where we've been and where we've come from and, and to not remember the sweet, amazing moment where you called us and said, you know what? I've got bigger and better things for you. I, I love you. I want to save you from, from all this sin and I want to save you from a, an eternity separated from me. I want to save you in this moment and I, I think we forget the sweetness of that moment, the 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 romance that's in that moment that, that you would call us and, and, and go after us with everything that you've got to, to, to save us when we didn't even realize that we needed saving. Guys, I pray that first and foremost that we would we'd go back to that moment in our lives, each person in this room. And for the person that doesn't have that, God, I pray that you would call and you would pull and you would push whatever you need to do to, to have them realize the need for you in their life. God, and I pray for, for the sin issues that have us stuck, the, the lack of faith that has us stuck. God, I pray that you would break those bonds. You would help us see clearly what we need to see. God, that you would, you would move us to the next place, whether it's you know, the pride of feeling we, we've earned something that you know, something is owed to us, or if it's you know, forgetting that, that whatever decision we need to make, is, is you've always got the best interest in heart. You always have the better plan. So to stop relying on our logic and our, our own senses is, there's freedom in it because it's all on you at that point and you can handle it, God. So I pray that they would trust in your judgment and trust in your directions. God, I pray that whatever needs to be cut out of their life, either permanently or temporarily, God, that you would allow, or they would allow you to, to do some cutting and do some pruning and, and shaping so that they can be the person they need to be for the sake of the gospel. God, and that they wouldn't believe the lie that they have to be the one that saves them and they have to be the one that's, that's always constantly around them. You know, sometimes we do more harm for the gospel's sake than good because we won't listen to you and just take some time to better ourselves first. Not that we ever stop praying and not that we ever stop going you know, after those people you know, spiritually, but sometimes we just need some time to get to where we can actually be productive for the gospel. So I pray that that would be the case. You know, for, for anybody in here that's got bad relationships and bad situations that are harming them, God, and that you give them the strength to do whatever it is that you're telling them to do. God, so just be with this group of people. God, be with the leaders. God, and help us grow to where we can impact this community. Father, I love you. Share and pray. Amen.